Crossroads. You know, we've been uh, looking at various encounters that Jesus had with people at the crossroads. We've been talking about the crossroads are part of life. We find ourselves at the crossroads from time to time. In fact, today, some of you, that may be where you're at. You're at the crossroad. And uh, it's at that crossroad that you find pain, you find brokenness, you find fear. I think uh, there's a great deal of confusion. You have a lot, the, kind of a high level of uncertainty at the crossroads. And it's in the midst of those problems, those challenges, those struggles that we have that we find God. You're never alone at the crossroads. Some of you just needed to hear that this morning. God's with you, whatever it is. And because God's with us, there's There's hope. In the story that we're going to look at today, we're going to find that at the crossroads, it's very tempted to to make a lot of excuses at the crossroads. And my prayer today that we would leave this place and we would make a commitment to live with no excuses. No excuses. Now, next week's uh, Easter, we're going to be dealing with the crossroad of doubt. It's a common uh, spiritual crossroad. And a common challenge I think we have in our lives. And we're going to look at the doubt that the disciples had after the resurrection. And I'm letting you know that because it would be a great weekend to invite someone to church. Someone that's not been to church for a long time. Maybe somebody that's given up on church. Maybe they've given up on God. To just make that invite to them. And uh, just uh, encourage you to do that. Look around you. Uh, you look at the people that you work with. Maybe go to school with neighbors, friends, family, those people that maybe the Holy Spirit just now brought to your mind, I want to challenge you to invite them. Uh, A lot of times people haven't been to church for a long time. Easter's the door back in. So uh, a couple things about Easter next week. Uh, The fact is, all of us next week, we are all greeters, okay? That means we smile, we reach out to people, we connect with people. Uh, it would be helpful, I say this every year, but if you'd park at the extremities of the parking lot, uh, leave the good spots unless you need that good spot, uh, that, uh, leave them for, for our guests. And uh, you might move down a few rows. Uh, if you're sitting in the front row, do not come up here on the stage. But um, yeah. anyway, move, move down a few rows, uh, maybe move toward the center again. Just be watching. If somebody looking down your row, maybe they're trying to figure out, can our family of 17 fit here? And, uh, you know, make space. Make space for them. So uh, that's uh, just want to encourage you with that. The crossroad today that we're going to look at, we're looking at a guy that has been sick for 38 years. Jesus is going to ask him, do you want to get well? Now, some of you have been at a particular crossroad in your life for a long time. Been dealing with a challenge, maybe a problem for a lot of years. And it might be a health issue, you know, chronic pain, depression. It might be an issue of overspending, overcommitting, overeating. It might be an addiction, addiction to alcohol or drugs or gambling or pornography. It might be a relational crossroad. Maybe with your spouse or with a child, a parent, maybe a sibling. 
And the fact is, there are a lot of different kinds of crossroads, maybe a vocational crossroad. The fact is, you look at your vocational life, and it's been kind of a roller coaster. You keep bouncing from job to job to job because you can't get along with people or maybe can't deal with authority or dealing with some issue, and it just keeps jamming you up. My point is, it's a crossroad. It's a crossroad. And what I want you to do this morning is to identify that, that crossroad where you've been camping out for a while. And as we talk, I want you to think about your crossroad. I want you to listen from the perspective of that crossroad, okay? It is a crossroad you know well. It's a crossroad that I believe Jesus wants to meet you at. It's a crossroad. But friends, in the presence of Jesus Christ, it is possible to leave that crossroad. It's possible to have change. In the story we're looking at, Jesus has been traveling for a while. He's returning to the city of Jerusalem. Jesus had been to Jerusalem many, many, many times. He enters the city through the sheep's gate. It it isn't the main gate into the city of Jerusalem. It's a very small entrance. The main gate was uh, the Golden Gate. You know, it's where the interstate, if they'd had an interstate in that day, that's where you would have arrived in the city. But Jesus, this day, would enter through the Sheep's Gate. And this is an entrance that most people avoided. I mean, it's an area of the city known as Bethesda. There were two pools there. There were uh, five uh, uh, covered uh, colonnades. I want you to think kind of like a cabana at there. People avoided this area because of the congestion, because of all the crowds that would gather at this gate. And so people would just kind of avoid it. And I know some of you are thinking, oh, okay, I get it. So there's two big pools there. You know, people are kind of chilling out. They're soaking up the rays, getting tans, and, you know, relaxing by the pool. No, that's not what's going on. See, the crowds gathered there because people were sick. And if you weren't sick, you avoided this gate. Because of the sickness and because of the crowd and everything just moved very, very slowly through there. You got people laying around all over the place, blind and paralyzed and sick. People of all types of physical challenges are gathered there. And they're just lying around and they're waiting. Now, the reason why they gathered there is there was a legend. Legend that periodically an angel would fly over the pools and the angel would stir the water. And the first person to get in the water would be healed. And so what happened, people traveled from all around the world, and they were waiting, and they were hoping that maybe today the water will get stirred. Maybe today I get a miracle. And it's that gate that Jesus comes through. I imagine Jesus sees hundreds of people, maybe thousands of people, And they have been waiting, maybe waiting for days. Some have been waiting for weeks. I'm going to guess some maybe even years. Some probably had taken up residency here. They just lived by the pool. And when the water would stir, for whatever reason, my guess is it would have been a free-for-all. 
Scripture starts out, it says, a man was there who'd been sick for 38 years. Jesus saw him lying there, and he knew that the man had been sick for such a long time, so he asked him, what's Jesus asking him? Do you want to get well? When I first read this, it seems a little insulting. I mean, it's kind of like someone's broke, okay? And you go up to him and go, do you want $100? You know, somebody's hungry. I mean, really hungry. And you go, do you want something to eat? Jesus asked this guy, do you want to get well? I mean, why, why would Jesus ask a question like that? I, I try and put myself in, in the shoes of, of this guy. And I think he's probably put off by the question initially. He's probably thinking, really? Do I want to get well? Sure, I want to get well. It's what he thought, but it is not what this guy answers. He doesn't answer Jesus' question that way. The sick man answered, Sir, I don't have anyone here to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. While I'm trying to get in, somebody else gets there first. It's a very curious response. I mean, he's been sick for 38 years. But that's part of the challenge we have here. I think when you've been dealing with something for a long time, there there are really these significant challenges that we have, and I think they're common challenges. I mean, if you've been dealing with something for a long time, you get discouraged. You get discouraged. Some of you, some of you have been dealing with stuff for a long, long, long time. It's an ongoing problem. It's an issue that keeps persisting. It won't go away. And you've prayed about it. And you've hoped that you could get through it, but nothing happens. You know, you've tried to do some things. You, you, thought, you thought it might help. But the reality is nothing's working. You've tried to work on your marriage. You've prayed about it. You know, maybe even come to church regularly. But, but the fact is your marriage is still struggling. And years later, you kind of look at your marriage and you go, I don't think anything's going to help this. You know, maybe it's a physical issue that you're battling. You, you've prayed about it. You have went to the doctor. It didn't help. So you go see another doctor and another doctor and another doctor. And there have been so many doctors that didn't help. That, and so what you do, you pray some more. And the fact is, nothing's getting better. And some of you are discouraged. And you go, I guess I just got, this is it. This got to deal with this. Friends, the longer you're at the crossroad, the longer that problem persists, the longer the issue continues, not only do you get discouraged, but what happens is you start making excuses, don't you? I mean, the longer you're at that crossroads, you you make these excuses. And the reason why you do it is partly because it makes you feel better. Because you're able to shift the blame a little bit to someone else or something else. It's what this guy does. Jesus asks him, he says, do you want to get well? I don't have anybody help me. I can't get to the water quick enough. 
other people are faster and quicker. So I'm totally helpless. No one will help me. It's hopeless. And friends, I'm going to cut this guy a little bit of slack. Because every time I read this story, I think about when I was in seventh grade. I shattered my femur. And uh, I uh, missed most of my seventh grade year of school. I spent uh, about a month in the hospital, a little bit more than that, but I was in traction. And then when I came home, I was home for three and a half months in a spica cast, which a spica cast is a cast from your foot to your chest. Extremely confining. When I finally was able to go home, my parents put a pallet on the floor for me. And I lived on that pallet, basically, and on the floor. But I figured out how to get around. You know, confined to my back, I'd, I'd use my elbows and crawl around the house, and then pretty soon I'm racing my brother around the house and, you know, stuff. We were kids. But what I figured out was there were some things that I could do. And there were some things I couldn't do. But after several months, I'm getting around the house fairly well. I kind of reorganized things. I made it where it was easier to get to some stuff so I didn't have to chase it all the time. Now, granted, it made it a lot easier knowing that I was only going to have to do this for a short season for a few months. But when I read this story... The scripture says that people are sick and they're, they're gathered around the pools. What I see are a bunch of little pallets. People are sitting around. They're doing a lot of waiting. They've got a lot of time on their hands because there's a lot of things they can't do. We do not know why this guy, what his illness is. We don't know. We don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe his sickness had made him so weak that he just wasn't able to get from point A to point B. I mean, maybe he had severe arthritis. Maybe his legs didn't work. We just don't know what was wrong with him. But we know he was sick. And we know he had a very, very difficult time. And we know he had been that way for a long time, 38 years. Definitely would have been a difficult situation. But let's be honest here. This was a tough situation, but surely there was a way for him to get closer to the water. I mean, maybe he couldn't walk, but maybe he could have crawled. Maybe he could have scooted along like I used to do. I've got to think that if I'd have been there, I would have assessed things, and over time, I would have said, you know what, I need to be closer to the water. I'm going to do whatever it takes to be the first one in the water. I'm going to lie on the edge. If i got to roll in, I'm going in. I mean, I'm going to be the first one there. But this guy, he hits this point in his life, and it's a point that most of us get to. No one can help me. I, I can't do anything about this. You know, I'm, I'm, my marriage, is, it's not going to get better. I, I've been to the doctor. There, there's nothing to be done. Never going to get a good job. 
and finished college. I'm just a mess. I've tried to do some things. Even went to church a few weeks in a row, but, but nothing changed. I've tried everything. Nothing's working, and I don't know what to do. And I think that's what happens. The longer you're at the crossroad, the longer that a problem persists in your life, the more discouraged you become, the more excuses you make, and the more tolerant you become of the problem. I mean, some of you, and I, I'm just going to be direct, some of you have become the masters of illusion. I mean, some of you have become uh, functioning alcoholics in your life. You, you, you still work, but you work hard and you play hard. And, and sure, it puts stress on the marriage. Sure, it, it hurts your children. Sure, it destroys your finances. But professionally, you perform. A lot of people don't even know it. And those that do don't care. See, you, you figured out how to manage around that addiction. I mean, some of you are in a marriage, and the fact is you've learned to exist with a marriage that's everything but dead. You don't like it. You've learned to accept it. And the fact is you've kind of settled in. Yeah, no common interest, no vision. No intimacy, no spiritual foundation, just surviving, staying together for the kids. Oh, well, it's what it is. It is what it is. I mean, you've learned to manage. Oh, sure, you stayed together, but you've learned to manage in a dying marriage. Some of you have learned to escape whatever the issue is and use drugs and pornography and affairs. You you know, you throw yourself into your work so that you don't feel the pain around you. See, when you're at that crossroads, instead of facing the real issue and the real problem, what happens is we turn to those escape mechanisms. And it helps us manage, helps us manage life, helps us avoid dealing with, with what the real issue is. And it's a struggle. Now my life's bad. Can't do anything about it. Sure, I play hard. I mean, what's a big deal? Makes me feel better. See, some of you have learned to do the smoke and mirror thing in your life for your overspending. People think you got it going on. They think you're really on the move, but they have no idea. You live paycheck to paycheck. Some of you are at that crossroads. You don't know how you're going to get through it. You just don't. But you know how to play the game. See, you're a master with credit cards. Rob Peter to pay Paul. I mean, some of you have learned to just tolerate the problem. And friends, when you've been at that crossroads for a long time, I want you to hear this. Nothing is going to change until you recognize the problem. You will never change as long as you're willing to tolerate the problem. You cannot change what you're willing to tolerate in your life. And I believe it's why Jesus asked this man, do you want to get well? I mean, why would he ask that? 
I mean, perhaps Jesus knew something very important that you cannot just help someone who needs help. You can only help people who want to be helped. Do you want to get well? That's a difficult, very direct question, isn't it? Do you want to get well? I mean, what is the greatest obstacle to faith? I mean, some some would say doubt. Others would say fear. Some people would say, well, worry. And, And those are all good answers. But sometimes I think the biggest obstacle to faith is the familiarity of whatever it is that we're in. You know, we've gotten comfortable with our situation, and so we settle in. You don't understand. I've been dealing with this for 38 years. You don't understand. I've tried everything. And we've got this laundry list of excuses. We don't like it, but we've learned to manage around it. And so we accept it rather than believing what could be in our lives. You don't understand. I mean, our our family's always struggled financially. My parents did. We do. You know what? Probably our kids are going to struggle too. You, You don't understand. Everybody in my family struggles with weight. Everybody does. It's the way it is. You don't understand, I've tried to overcome the addiction, but it's just got its claws in me, and I can't break free, nothing's working. It's just my lot in life. And friends, when you're at that crossroads, when you stay at that crossroads, you will stick there until your desire to change becomes greater than the problem that you're facing in your life. You'll remain at that crossroads wounded and sick and broken until your desire to change is bigger than whatever it is you're facing. Do you want to get well? The fact is, I know some of you are discouraged today. Some of you have more excuses about why you are where you are, and it's just a stack of them. And some of you, if you were honest, you've gotten comfortable. You've gotten comfortable with the problem. Got comfortable living like you're living. It's a mess. But it's your mess. And it's familiar. And we cuddle up to it. See, see, I believe the Holy Spirit's going to press some of you today. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get out of debt? I mean, for some of you, shopping is the drug of choice. I mean, you may say that you want to get out of debt, but your actions say something very different in your life. Do you want to get out of debt? Do you want to get well? Do you really? It's a crossroads. I mean, do you want to overcome addiction? I mean, maybe it's held you captive for years, but the fact is you've gotten comfortable with the situation. And even though it's uncomfortable, you've gotten comfortable with it. It's familiar. Do you really want to find healing for your marriage? 
Do you really want to find repair in your relationships with other people? Do you want to get well? Do you? Friends, you can't help someone that simply needs help. You can only help people that want to be helped that want to change. You cannot change what you're willing to tolerate and put up with in your life. And you will not change until your desire to change is bigger than your problem and greater than your problem. You will not start healing. You will remain at that crossroads stuck. And that's why Jesus at the crossroads says... Do you want to get well? I do not care how long you've been at your crossroad. I don't care what has happened and what has you down and what has its claws in you. Friends, with the power and the presence of Jesus Christ, there's hope. I don't care how long that that has just held on to you, held you in bondage. That thing that you have given up on a long time ago, I want you to know in the presence and the power of God, all things are possible. That's what we've been talking about through this series. I mean, if it's been, you've been at that crossroads for eight months or eight years or 38 years, In a moment, in the presence of Jesus Christ, everything can change. Jesus Christ can transform all things. Do you hear that? All things. Not something, all things. And some of you are at that crossroads, and you've been there for a while, and you're stuck, and you need the power of Jesus Christ, and you need a miracle in your life. See, here's this guy. He's got all these excuses. I don't have anyone to help me can't get to the water quick enough. Somebody else always gets there first. It's just not fair. Jesus says, do you want to get well? I love this. Jesus says to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And immediately the man got well. He picked up his mat and started walking. Jesus heals him. And I want you to notice there are three things that just hit me right away. This guy did not ask to be healed. Did you hear that? In that whole story, he never asked to be healed. It's one of the the many reasons I believe that we should put God in top priority in our lives. It's one of the many reasons for getting to know Jesus Christ and to live in his presence and get as close as you possibly can to him. Because, friends, when you surrender yourself to God, fully surrender yourself, when you get as close to God as you possibly can get, he will do things for you that you never ask him to do. He's done it in my life, and many of you would say the same thing. I mean, he'll bring healing into your life in an area of your life that you didn't even know you needed healing. You know, he'll deliver you from a lot of dysfunctional thoughts that jam you up all the time, stuff that you weren't even aware of. He'll forgive you and he'll change your heart for something you didn't know you needed forgiveness for. You didn't know there was a sickness. You didn't know there was a sin. And when you get close to Jesus Christ, he does things you don't even ask him to do. 
And I also notice in this, the man didn't deserve being healed. He didn't earn it. Jesus didn't heal him because he was a good guy. He didn't heal him because he asked. Jesus heals him because he's good. Jesus heals him because of his grace. In other words, you can't give to get. And you can't work your way to getting. It's a grace thing. It's a grace of God thing. And the healing didn't happen the way that guy thought it was going to happen. If I just get to the water first... If I just get there quick enough, if I'm the first one there, I'll be healed. And the healing didn't happen that way, did it? It didn't come through the water. I mean, some of you have been searching for healing in a particular area of your life, in a particular way, from a particular source. Some of you have been searching for that healing through the water, so to speak. And it may not come through the water. In fact, it may not come the way you think. But it might come through the living water. Jesus Christ. In his presence. In his power. But healing many times. Many times. Does not come the way you expect it to. Jesus. He sees the man. Guy makes the excuses. And then Jesus says, get up. Pick up your mat. Walk. Here's the deal. Some of you are at the crossroads. And you need to know you're at the crossroads. And the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the God that created this universe, the God that holds it in, in, in place, that that God is telling some of you, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. You know, take a step of faith. That's the problem for us, and that's the problem in our life many times, is that we've been there for so long. But God's saying, pick up your mat and walk. And I do not know what that looks like in your life. It may mean that you've got to drop some stuff, some of that stuff that's got its claws in you. It may mean you've got to check into rehab. It may mean that you got to go home and do some cleaning in the house, throw some stuff out. It may mean sitting down with your spouse and coming clean. It may mean saying, hey, we, we need to work through this. You know, it may mean going home and cutting up the credit cards and seeking help to, to get your finances in order. It may mean counseling. But friends, here's what I know. Whatever it looks like that's going to get you away from that crossroads, you got to do it. You got to do it. And sometimes you just have to get up and walk and walk away from it. See, I know as I'm talking, some of you are going, well, you know, I I think if I could just make a few more tweaks. Friends, if you could have made some tweaks to your life and it would have helped, you would have done it a long time ago. You need more than that at the crossroads that we're talking about today. You need Jesus Christ in the center of it. And he's at that crossroads and he's asking some of you today, do you want to be well? Do you? I mean, friends, some of you, maybe it'll be an instant thing. And you will pick up your mat and you will walk. And for others, it may be a process. 
a process of being faithful, a process of obedience. But friends, it can begin, and it can begin today. See, I know some of you thought the healing was going to come a different way. In fact, some of you had no idea that you were going to walk in church today and the presence and the power of God was going to exalt you and change you. But friends, that's how God works at the crossroads. And so I want to challenge you today. Whatever that crossroad is, pick up your mat and walk and keep walking. We serve a God that can change lives. And some of you, that's exactly what you need now, I'm going to have us all stand. We're going we're gonna to pray. Prayer teams will be down front. If you've got something you've been caring for, make this a day. You stand up and you walk, and you walk out of here. No more excuses. God first, and allow God's presence and God's power to change you. Our holy God, God, you know There are many here today, they're at that crossroads. They've been there a long time. And God, I don't know. I don't know if it's a physical thing. I don't know if it's a relational challenge. Maybe it's vocational. God, maybe it's an addiction that's just got its claws in us. But God, whatever it is, God, I just uh, pray that uh, we'd hear your voice saying, do you want to get well? And that we would respond, that we would pick up our mat, that we would walk. That your power would be displayed. And God, when it is displayed, that we would shout from the mountaintops. We would attest to your power, your faithfulness, how you saw us through. God, I pray we'd hear your Holy Spirit. And that we'd respond. Respond in faith. God, we give you the praise. We give you the glory. God's people said, let's worship.